0: We salute the work you're doing and your dedication to helping your loved one find a way through. And now, Coming Up For Air.
1: Hi everyone, this is Laurie McDougall back on Coming Up For Air. I am sitting here with my co-host, Kayla, Kayla Solomon. How are you this morning, Kayla?
2: I'm good, Laurie, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. We're kind of turning the corner, I guess, from the summer into the fall. I can feel it. I can feel it coming. I can feel the kids going back to school. And I just feel like, oh, summer don't go away. It's too soon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh.
2: My problem is I like the I like fall.
1: (laughs) I love the fall. I do. I love the fall. It's that I don't want the freeness of the summer, I think, to go away. So today. What we're going to talk about today is something called sectioning. In the state of Massachusetts, they call it sectioning, a section 35. And this is when you can legally go to the courts and have your loved one put into a facility, put into some form of treatment, although it doesn't often work that way. And that's that's what they call it in the state of Massachusetts. They may have other names for it in, in other states but there are, I also know there aren't many other states that you can actually section your loved one for substance use disorder, but we're going to talk about it today in terms of craft and when you should use it, when you shouldn't use it, and kind of all the complications that come along with sectioning your loved one.
2: Great.
1: I hear about it all the time, especially in the state of Massachusetts. So I belonged in other groups before I created my rest groups and I came over to the Allies and Recovery website and I did attend groups where it was often encouraged multiple times that families section their loved one, section, section, section. And I noticed over time that it became, it became the first go-to thing to do with a loved one with substance use disorder.
2: When we're talking about sectioning, it's basically an involuntary institutionalization of the person. It's about getting them off the street or out of their situation. And I'm going to use the word locking them up because for whatever period of time it is, you get locked up and you can't leave. So it basically is used in the case of extreme difficulty, not difficulty, danger is the word. Because you have to justify it to a judge to be able to do it.
1: Right. You have to document. You have to document that that person is either a danger to themselves or to someone else. You have to take time off of work to go and do it. You have to uh, know exactly where your loved one is so that the police can go and pick that person up if they're not appearing in court. There is really a lot to it. But what I think gets missed in all of this is sectioning is intended to be used in extremely extreme circumstances. It's not the first go-to and it's actually not the safest go-to. And this kind of is where like, how does sectioning and craft kind of line up? Well, craft craft is a form of intervention as well, but craft allows the individual the loved one, dignity and respect and understanding that a person should have agency over themselves. Sectioning someone, this is why the time when a person should be using sectioning is when there is extreme circumstances, there is extreme danger. And I know it can be really hard to determine when that's occurring what I've seen historically, and this is in the state of Massachusetts, what I've seen historically is it has become the go-to thing to do, and people are sectioning their loved ones over and over and over yes. and over again, right? And I, I've heard families come and go, I have sectioned my loved one nine times, it's not working, but then that's the only alternative that people tell them to section them, section them, and they're like, I don't want to. I don't wanna do it anymore. What do you think of suctioning in relation to craft?
2: The one concern I have about sectioning is if you're already hypersensitive about the danger that your loved one in it, that's kind of like your daily, the daily air that you breathe is like, this is very dangerous. Something horrible is happening. They're on the street or they're doing dangerous things. It's very easy to translate that to they're harming themselves. They're qualified because they're harming themselves. And this is where it gets it gets a little um, dicey because if your loved one is abusing substances and there's all kinds of behaviors that come along with that that are dysfunctional, harmful, I could go on and on. We all know that. But what happens is that that's a daily occurrence so you're already assuming that they're at risk you're already assuming that they're going to die and this is why you have to really look at this because i feel like people come in and they're like oh my god oh my god this is this is an emergency and if it's chronic it's not an emergency okay and i don't even know how to describe how to decide when you're going to section somebody all i know is that you need to be working really hard on all the other skills first And you can't get lazy on this one. You have to do it.
1: So I'm glad you bring that up because I also think, and I know this is going to sound terrible, but I also think sectioning is kind of like, it's a quick fix in the moment you think, oh, this is the way to go. I have to do it. I have to save my loved one. And I totally get that because I've been in the, I've been in those spots where I've thought things like the only way I'm going to be able to help my loved one is if I helicopter them to a deserted island (laughs) with supplies for a year. Right. Like that's the same type of thing. Like if I can only get them out of this state for six months and I can be logical with them and they will understand and and things will get better. But what I've seen is sectioning doesn't actually work that way. Actually, what it can do is it can destroy the relationship between Mm. the family member and and the loved one. And that is like the opposite of craft. We don't want you to destroy your relationship with your loved one. We want you to be an incredibly safe space for them to come and say, I did use substances or I was using that and I need help and I can't seem to stop. That's craft. Craft is about giving the person or letting the person have their own agency and determine things for themselves. And you, being there and being a safe space for them to come and them knowing that you're there to support them. But what sectioning often does is it destroys that relationship. They know now, oh, I can't come to you. I can't let you know my deep, dark secrets because if I do, you're gonna you're gonna betray me. You're gonna go and put me in this particular place and I don't wanna be there. Or the other thing that happens a lot is that the person doesn't stay. So you can section someone, but they don't have to stay. So you can get them in that institutional setting for a short period of time. And you think they're gonna be in lockdown for, you know, for six months. It doesn't happen that way. And they can take off. And if they do take off, they're actually at a higher risk of overdosing. Their tolerance level is down. They're, they haven't been using, they've been through like a little bit of a detox. And then they're out there and they're searching for their substances and they're at a higher risk of using and using like they did previously, putting themselves at a higher risk of overdosing.
2: So I think I think what you're saying, Lori, is like what what purpose does it serve to section somebody? I think that's the question that we need to be talking about is why would you section somebody if the risks of. Doing this can destroy the relationship, can increase their risk of overdose, and also does not in any way assure that when they come out that anything is going to change. So, why would you do it?
1: Well, I think there are certain circumstances that it is important that sectioning is warranted. But as we said, I think it's in extreme circumstances when you know what we're at a point where. I'm going to have to chance my relationship with you because I am so I just know we are in a dire dire straits. Maybe I found you overdosed in your car. So we are in a dire situation.
2: Right, right.
1: I think under those circumstances, okay, I'll ha- I'll build my relationship afterwards, right? Like I, I I but I've got to get through this particular experience. And I've heard of this happening where A loved one is like, you need to section me. So they're asking for it. They're saying, I don't trust myself and I need help. Okay, let's section you. But oftentimes, believe it or not, the individual can section themselves. I also believe that there's probably circumstances where sectioning is really warranted, maybe some kind of other challenge that the individual faces That's an extreme challenge as well. So maybe
2: like a severe medical situation where you need them to be in the hospital and and they're not going, that's a possibility so that they could go in and get the medical care that they need. But then again, we're not expecting that it's going to change anything in terms of their use, but at least they'll get their medical, the medical help while they're in there.
1: And also, I mean, there are other co-occurring disorders that may warrant sectioning as well. And I'm just trying to think of like maybe
2: if somebody's having a psychotic break,
1: someone's having a psychotic break. Yes. But I have to tell you, even in those circumstances, you got to be careful. I mean, I'll just share with everybody because I've kind of shared my whole life with everybody. But my son did have a very difficult episode uh, one time, and I had promised him that I would not section him. I promised I wouldn't section him. And I went through that whole psychotic episode with him. And I said, nope, I am not. He was scared to death. We did go to the emergency room, but I told him I was not going to section him, that if he wanted to go into the hospital, it had to be by his choice. And I stuck there with him and he was scared. He was afraid I was going to do it. And I didn't do it. I I stuck it through, and he did not put himself in the hospital. It didn't. It didn't work that way. I wanted him to do to do that in the worst way, but he didn't. And we got through it. But I also can understand how maybe, under those circumstances, a family member really is petrified for their loved one's life or for someone else's life. Yes, and I certainly can understand um, sectioning someone under those circumstances, but also co-occurring illnesses. I'm just trying to think of what if someone, what if someone has substance use disorder and maybe autism? Mm
2: -hmm. Or developmental disabilities where they're not able to make choices or decisions, especially if they're not on their medications.
1: Exactly, exactly. So that's why, yes, craft it doesn't necessarily completely align with sectioning, but Kraft also says safety first in all of Kraft, safety first, right? When we talk about domestic violence, when we talk about any kind of violence at all, we're ta- when we're talking about someone's health, the most important piece, you know, maybe driving while drinking, you know, no, take the keys away. I don't care what the relationship is right now. Take the keys away. Safety first, safety first, safety first.
2: But this is where people get caught up, okay? So I'm just going to jump in on this one because what happens is that if you're dealing with somebody who has chronic substance use disorder, what happens is that you feel like they're never safe, okay? So this is where you need to tune into your system and really determine how your reaction is going because is something different? Is this the same old, same old? You know, Are you feeling frustrated that they're not going into treatment or staying in in treatment? There's all kinds of things that are going on. And, And I feel like I want people to know that sectioning is not this answer that they're looking for because I feel like if only he was sectioned, if only she was sectioned, then she would be safe and then she could get herself straightened out but that's not what I've witnessed. What I've witnessed is it takes the person off the street for two to three days. They often check out and do exactly the same thing they were doing three days ago.
1: Thank you for that. So so I do think that that is a problem that family members come in and think this is gonna be a quick fix. Oftentimes, like you would think overdosing would be, oh, this is what we're talking about extreme, you know, and oh, someone experiences and overdose, this is extreme circumstances. Maybe now is the time that I section them. Actually, it may not be because if a person has overdosed and you section them, then again, tolerance level goes down. They stay for a couple of days. They take off. They're at a higher risk of overdosing again. In fact, one of the largest predictors of overdose is past overdose. So if someone's overdosed once, they're more likely to overdose again. So that may not even be the extreme moments that we're, ta- that we're talking about. It also might be. So kind of like what you're saying, you've got to kind of gauge it. You've got to kind of gauge where you are. And maybe it's not a matter of sectioning somebody, but it's a matter of talking to them and using that relationship connection, the relationship that you've built with that person to try and come to terms with how I know right now you might not stop using substances. But how can we keep you safer? Are there some steps that can be taken to, to help keep you safer under these circumstances? This is a tough one. This is a tough topic, I think.
2: Yeah, and it's not an easy answer. And I feel like a lot of people are looking for easy answers. And I wish I had them. But that's the one thing that I fundamentally believe is what Kraft does differently from the let's do an intervention, let's get them hooked in, let's send them to treatment, whether they like it or not, let's lock them up. What happens is you could do those things. So I just want to be clear about that. You could do any of those things, but your job is to look at what, what the impact is of that and then what's the long-term result of it. So what what craft is about, and, and this comes up in the group all the time, what, what craft is about is creating a different relational dynamic with your loved one. So basically the way I think of craft is by you, changing how you interact with them. You're giving them more responsibility for their lives. You're actually communicating with them so that they're looking at it that way and not just you thinking that. You're changing how you interact. You're not rescuing in the same way. You're not taking the blame for everything that's ever happened. You're improving your communication with the person. You're working on yourself so that they don't become the only focus in your mind that you actually have other parts of yourself that you can work with and other people in your life. And you, you look at everything and not just this one person as how, what, how are you doing? Cause we all know the question is like, if somebody says, how are you doing? If you're listening to this podcast, then the first answer is you talk about how your loved one is doing. And so that has to shift. And I feel like, we've talked about this a lot of times is going from crisis to chronic. And in, if you define over crisis as every day, and this is what's going on all the time, then you are not in a position to decide about sectioning because that's your issue. You need to go into looking at the bigger picture, stepping back and not have being in reaction. And I would say that sectioning is one of the biggest reactions you could have. It's like, this is danger. I'm going to do this. I'm going to lock you up. And again, when you go in to try to section the person, you're doing it as though you're a lawyer because the judge is going to ask you the same questions that they would be asking a lawyer. It's like being interrogated. Where is that person? When's the last time that you saw them? What's the condition that they're in? Describe who they are. Describe what's going on. Describe what they've done last. And let's face it, most of us don't know the answer to those questions. They don't tell us. So, you want to know that you can't just go in and say, oh, my loved one's in danger. You need to lock them up. You are actually presenting a case.
1: I don't know if you've seen this in the media recently, but the whole Britney Spears thing, I think kind of-
2: The conservatorship?
1: Just really, really kind of screwed people's minds up, I think, in thinking that, oh, why can't I have a conservatorship? <laughs> just like Britney Spears. Dead.
2: What is a conservatorship, Lori?
1: I think a conservative is where you have total control over the person. That's what I thought. I really wish it wasn't in the media and blasted all over the media the way it was, because having a conservative is, one, it's extremely difficult to do. That's first off. You have to have an incredibly extreme case in order to have a conservative And I don't think that substance use disorder doesn't, fall under the category of a family member being able to have a conservative ship over someone, right? Because then you're in charge, you're in charge of everything, every aspect of their life. And I hear this quite a bit now where families are like, well, maybe I should do that. And I'm like, yeah, it's, that's a tough thing to do. And for me, I, I just think it's really taking the person's dignity and who they are away
2: well but also if you look at what we're, where where craft is talking about is that we're trying to work with the substance user to be able to look at themselves get skills and want to change that's the whole point is we want them to want to change and if you if you have a conservatorship you're in charge of them you're based, and I don't even know what it means so i'm i'm actually not an expert in conservatorship but i know that you have you're in charge of their money and their their decisions but I don't even know if that allows you to lock them up whenever you feel that they need to lock up be locked up. Yeah. I don't know if it means that that would be a hard one to do even with a conservative ship.
1: And to be honest with you, I don't think I really think it's probably extremely difficult to do and can you imagine if you could do it with someone with substance use disorder? That's a lot of people. And I can't imagine that it would work very well to be honest with you, but that's a whole other topic.
2: But but really what we're talking about is how much power and control do you want to have over the other person and how useful is it to them? And I think that's what we're talking about here. It's like there are some people that maybe that will help them get started in some form of treatment, but if you are not doing the craft tools, then all you're doing is taking this one piece and you're not doing the work.
1: And on top of it, I think no matter what let's say you do come across that extreme case and you do section your loved one. And I'm not saying you know, that you shouldn't. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that you should, or you shouldn't, but let's say you do come to that extreme case. You do section your loved one. You should be doing craft all along through the whole thing, because there there is going to come a time when they come out of that sectioning and you're gonna interact with them. And the more tools that you have and the more fortified you are with positive, you know, interactive skills and communication skills, the better the result on the other side of it, the better the progression of support for your loved one, of improving family relationships and even reducing use. So regardless of whether you section or not, learn craft. Get those craft skills going
2: and don't look for easy answers, because when we talk about craft, we are not talking easy answers we are talking about changing how you deal with somebody how you think about somebody and how you take care of yourself. It's like that's what this is about and that is not a fast process and it's not an easy answer. So. If you do think about it, and I'm I'm just going to repeat what you said, it's like, if you're thinking about sectioning at all, the first question you need to ask yourself is, what are the tools am I using and have I been? using and how well am i doing with that and that's what you not stop looking at the other person and start looking at yourself because what craft is about is you not the other person so it's very easy to think oh what intervention what intervention but focus on you it's like how am i speaking how am i listening how am i engaging what am i thinking what am i doing to role model what i'm asking the person to do and if you're just getting hijacked and saying, this is an emergency, this is an emergency, you're doing exactly what that other person is doing is, it's an emergency I have to use, I'm not okay, I have to use.
1: Right, I need the quick fix. Exactly. And the quick fix is to get you to behave in a particular way that I want you to behave.
2: Right, which is not gonna happen by the way, because you could section them and they'll come out. I think we've all seen this, it's like, you watch. we watch people, it's not that people don't go to treatment, people go to treatment all the time, but they don't engage in treatment and they don't stay in treatment. That's the issue. It's like, what happens after the treatment is craft, you know, because getting them in is one thing, but what happens afterwards?
1: I think this is such an important piece, such an important piece of the entire picture. This is from that whole idea of they have to really want it, which I think is a bunch of bunk anyway, or, or, you know, it's only partially true, but People engage in treatment when it's coming from them. I need help. That's when they're going to engage. And that's why craft is, you know, has you have to slow everything down and you have to look for it, but that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the person to have this internal piece inside of them asking for help. That's a hard thing to sit around and wait for which is why sectioning is so appealing i think to family members because they want the quick fix
2: well and I, and and what you have to realize is if you make the if you do do this quick fix you need to look at how is it going to impact my loved one
1: how is it going to impact my loved one our relationship is it going to set us back is it going to put us forward yep so anyway can you go ahead and give us a quick summary
2: <laughs> okay so the summary is that sectioning or Forcibly locking somebody up to keep them safe is a tool, but it is not necessarily an optimal tool. So how do you decide? What happens is you use all of the craft skills and you get good at the craft skills. And when you know you're working with the craft skills and you feel like that person is very, very highly acutely in danger of hurting themselves or somebody else at that moment. And it's not the day-to-day, oh, by using or by being on the street, they're in danger. That's not what I'm talking about. There's an, an elevated level of risk that you have to really be clear about. And if you're engaging in this process and really doing the work with yourself, you'll know when that is. Okay, and it's a last resort and it's not necessarily an optimal resort, but it's one tool. But if that's all you focus on, then you're not doing the craft process. You need to you need to be working with the other skills.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Kayla. And I want to let our listeners know that we still have our 10 day challenge. The 10 day challenge is if you listen to half of the or watch half of the video modules, do the exercises that come along with those videos, If you do half of them in 10 days, you get a free one day, five hour training um, worth about $250. So if you're interested, head on over to the Allies in Recovery website, www.alliesinrecovery.net and sign up, engage in the 10 day challenge, and hopefully I'll see you in that training. Thank you, Kayla. Thanks. Talk to you again soon.
0: Thanks for listening.